Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm and you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30 followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word. want to take you and uh, take any any further time but to utilize this time so for us to go into the word of God and um, I want to talk to you about two things tied up into one um, the usage of scripture in prayer and two also using your words to recreate your world God has given us his word so that we can recreate and frame our world in accordance to his word. So from that from that angle, I want to minister this morning in Jesus' name. All men and women of God, I honor your graces and the anointings upon your lives in Jesus' name. Um, I, want, I want to start my introduction with, it is written. It is written because... Um, when we hear the word it is written, we are referring to the power of declaring scriptures. Our power is in the word and there is no any other, other way to give you a practical uh, example than when you hear people pray. As you've had the person leading us prayer in prayer and also most often you've heard uh, um, the man of God, Pastor Guma and other people leading you in prayer. And uh, you, that makes you understand when you listen and as you pray along with somebody that is on a different level or depth in the word of God, you can see it reflected in the quality of their prayer. In as much as prayer is um, a conversation with God, but we also need to understand that the quality of our prayers are determined also um, by the content of the prayer itself. I remember one time there was this woman, um, uh, I think I must have been round about in my, in about 18 years of age in the church and I used to lead the prayer group. Now there was this woman that used to come in the church every morning to pray before she goes to work, but she would scream on top of her voice and even as the born again in the environment, we felt embarrassed. Why? Because not because she was screaming, but she would go in the church and say, Daddy, I don't even know the neighbors are troubles everywhere. I am everyone. Every, nothing is happening for me. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. And I felt like embarrassedness and she's screaming on top of her voice. So I said, watch. And, and I've been teaching the word of God. How? Um, to, to apply yourself in prayer in, in line with the word of God. So I came one morning when she's busy there screaming and I, I tapped her shoulder and then she turned around and said, yes, sir. I said, um, I've got something that I want to say to you. And she looked at me straight in my eyes. I said, I felt like there was no better way than to bring it this to, to her attention, this thing. And I said to her, I can bring you a Benson and you can cry a Benson full of tears, 
um, as you keep crying, but God will not come. You won't move him an inch. And I told and I told her God is not moved by your emotions, is moved by his word in your mouth. And I said, no matter how much you're gonna cry tears and you think that you're gonna draw his attention based on your feelings, God is not an emotional God. One of his characteristics is not emotional. So somebody says, oh, but he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Being touched with the feelings of your infirmities has nothing to do to say to do with God is being emotional. He responds to his word. And I said, you see, if he was emotional, God would be a reacting God, but he never reacts. He acts. And so she, she looked at me and um, I think the point got home. This woman shifted and began to ask me to teach her to pray. Now, when we started exploring scripture and prayer, it never took um, it never took more than about three months. This woman's business, she was doing, you know, we know, like, uh, you know, she was doing these people that sold, sold mitumba, emivumba, that like old clothes. The thing took off to another level and she became the boss of the area. And, uh, but through power, by powerful prayer, she constantly had the habit and the discipline of prayer, but she didn't just know how to pray. Now, there's lots of people that love prayer, would love to pray, but they don't know how to pray. And then it makes, it puts them off, like, and most times we think people don't want to pray, but they don't know how to pray. But some of them just admire others how they pray. But um, in a nutshell, I would say that prayer is nothing else but proclamation of the word of God. Prayer, in as much as it is a conversation with God, it is in that conversation, it is the proclamation of the word of God. My mentor, one of my mentors puts it like this and said, to pray according to the word is to put God in a tight corner. Because when you begin to mention the word of God, when you refer God to his word, you are putting him in a tight corner because God is not a liar to lie. So I begin this introduction by saying it is written. Why? Because that is the power of declaring scriptures. And if you look at your Bible in Psalms 19, Psalms 19 and verse 14, you will appreciate what the psalmist said there. He begins to say that, uh, it says, Oh God, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable unto you. So prayer is nothing else but the meditations of your heart and the words of your mouth. Because remember, if you come to a place of prayer, two things are in, there are things, these two things are, um, what's the word, interchangeably used. You see the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart. So if your meditation is corrupt or warped, in other words, twisted, uh, distorted, if your image of God is distorted in your meditation, so the words of your mouth will be also, will be impaired, will be impaired in terms of, they will be weak. So he says, let the words of my mouth that is the content that is going to come out of your mouth, the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart. Be, it says, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Somebody then must pay adequate attention to the meditation of his heart. What's the meditation of your heart? 
because we all know the word meditation coming from the uh, from the Hebrew word haga, which is H-A-G-A-H, haga, and that word means to growl, it means to groan, growl, to groan, to mutter, to ponder, to mama, to mourn. I'm not talking about the other morning, morning of the loss, but the morning of M-O-A-N, mourning. So meditation therefore takes on three dimensions. There are three dimensions to meditation. And then the first one is like that which is stipulated or indicated in Joshua chapter one, let this book of the law not depart from your mouth. In other words, the initial stage one must read the word. You must, the, you must read the word. In other words, your first stage of meditation is um, to, 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 um, to assimilate, to, uh, to eat and feed on this information. As you are feeding on the word, you begin then this next se session. You're feeding on the word, familiarizing yourself with the word, and then thinking about the word which you are reading, meditating. How does it apply to my life? In what area of my life is this word referring to? Why this morning in this devotion? Why have I had this? Why is it this particular verse of the entirety of the Bible and of all the 66 books, why this book today? Why this verse? Out of all these verses, why this particular word is jumping out? Why is it the revealed word, which is the rema, the revealed word for my right now situation? Why is this the rema, the revealed word? That one, when I say rema, I mean the revealed word out of the written word, that which the Holy Spirit has highlighted. And why is it particularly that this very aspect of the word is the one that has hit my spirit so hard? What area of my life is this word? Um, uh, is, is, is this word referring to? Why has God exposed me to this? Sometimes it could be a character you have read in the Bible and you begin to examine the word. When we talk about hearing from the word of God, there is something I call examining the word. Examining the word, that is now you begin to um, to interact with the word and you're examining it. What area in my life is he talking about? Why God has allowed me to come in contact with this biblical character? He's, is he an example for me to follow or is he an example for me to avoid? And if he's an example for you to avoid, then therefore that's a sin to confess to acknowledge to confess or i you know when we talk about um acknowledgement of sin um confession is just is a, a acknowledgement you know you acknowledge that actually uh, um this is not according to the standard of god as as somebody standing in the dock in the in the court and you say you know what i acknowledge i stole the neighbor's chicken and of course, most people think repentance is when you come to the altar and you squeeze the tears out of your eyes, which has nothing to do with repentance. Repentance, as we have heard in the, in the bits and bobs of prayer, when uh, Pastor Diana Masas was praying, and this, there's a segment when she was talking about faith. Faith is us uh, coming up to where he is, remembering what he has done. So repentance is not there for to some, they think it is trying to show God, um, you know, uh, um, 
if to put up a show that lord i remember when they used to tell us back then repent and it's like um, you have to even squeeze your eyes and you so although the face is squeezed actually the the mindset has not shifted you're still uh, you're still uh, in love with the habit Though the face is squeezed and said, Lord, I am sorry, Lord, I am sorry, Lord, I am sorry. And we felt like the more you say it so much, that meant repentance. But actually, it meant nothing to do with repentance because repentance, of course, begins with um, 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 uh, with uh, which we call in, I think, um, confession is homologio, isn't it? In Greek, homologio is to acknowledge you're coming to acknowledgement i acknowledge that i have erred but then that is confession i acknowledge my mess and then i acknowledge that mess must be in recognition with the word i acknowledge that i have not met the standard of the word but lord i thank you because i am in christ i thank you because i am born again okay let me put it in a, in a prayer and i would say father I come out of the shadows of satanic assault and guilt and condemnation. I acknowledge that I have fallen short of the of your word. I acknowledge that in my old nature I am I am fearful. I have exhibited occasional now I acknowledge that I have exhibited occasional doubts in my old nature. However, since I am born again, I recognize that I have a new nature in Christ Jesus and Jesus has become my righteousness. Therefore, this I've not behaved as a new creature according to my nature. Therefore, Lord, I shift, I choose to turn. Now, it, you make up your mind to turn from that which you have recognized as a lower standard of your living and that you have repented. And also, the, like I said on Sunday when I was preaching at um, Shiloh, and I said, you see, receiving. Then you have to, oh, God, Jesus is not going to forgive you later. Jesus forgave you 2,000 years ago, 2,021 years ago. So what do you do? You acknowledge, you remember and acknowledge what he did on the cross. And that's why you come out from the shadows of condemnation and satanic assault and say, I come into the light or the radiance of your love, of your forgiveness, acknowledging what you did for me on the cross. Therefore, I receive forgiveness. Have you noticed that even when we are called to the throne of grace in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible, if you start from 15, 15 says we, um, it says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with the feelings of our infirmities, but we have one who has been tested in all ways yet without sin. There are four, 16, let us approach the throne of grace. Um, we, to, to do what? Let us approach the throne of grace boldly. Let us boldly, not out of fear, not out of condemnation, not out of, of judgment, but let out of boldness. This boldness is our confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ not in ourselves this confidence is not in itself in us but is a confidence in the finished work of jesus christ for us so as we come to that throne of grace the bible says um approach the throne of grace without fear what does it say the first thing to obtain or to receive to lambano to take hold of that 
which God has already procured for you in Christ Jesus. I remember on Sunday I spoke uh, briefly about the word receiving and I said the word receiving, I'm coming back to the throne of grace, but because that very word Hebrews 4.16 tells us, come to the throne of grace um, boldly to receive mercy, to receive first of all mercy, to receive, not to beg for mercy. Please listen to biblical language. It says, come to the throne of grace boldly to receive, not to beg for mercy. I've heard many times believers say, Lord, have mercy upon us. Have, it may sound also, if, even if sometimes religiously we find ourselves saying it, oh, have mercy, have mercy upon our nation, have mercy upon me. Uh, even if in that regard it, sound, it sounds religious, but it's not biblic biblically correct, because we are called to come to the throne of grace to receive, not to beg for mercy, to receive, to obtain. The word in the word is obtain, which is lambano. Now, that word lambano in Greek is interesting because um, the word lambano means to please pay attention, which is to receive. It means to take in whatever manner to take. To take something in whatever manner. Pay attention to that. Now, mercy is not something that somebody qualifies, that the offender qualifies for. You don't qualify for mercy. Mercy is imputed upon somebody, is given, is given. It has cost, mercy costs the one who gives it, not the recipient. So Jesus has gone all the way and obtained this mercy for me, procured it for me. Now he invites me to the throne of grace to receive it. Now, for before, but of course there are prerequisites to receiving mercy. One of those is to recognize your failure. Because if you look at that word, if you can look at the amplified the classic version or amplified, you will discover that when it refers to that scripture, to receive mercy for our failures. So mercy is to someone who has a failed. So that's why we don't come with this braggadociousness at the throne, although our boldness is boldness, but not in ourselves, but it's a humble boldness that recognizes what Jesus has done for us. And we come to that place, not because in ourselves we're qualified to be there, but because Jesus sees Jesus' sacrifice qualifies me to be there. So there is no room for me therefore to boast, but to acknowledge the mercy and the grace of God that has brought me to a, such an amazing mountain Zion place that I don't qualify to be in. But even if in my own self, I don't qualify to be there, he has qualified me to be a partaker of that mercy and a recipient of that grace. Now, to receive has nothing here to do with God. It has to do with you. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, the word lambano there is to take in in whatever manner. When you explore that word, lambano in Greek, it means sometimes, lambano means sometimes to receive as merely as merely as a self-prompted action without necessarily signifying a favorable reception can i repeat that word lambano to receive it means sometimes to receive as merely as a self-prompted action 
without necessarily signifying a favorable reception. It means you're going to come to that place. You Even if you may, according to your own strength and merit, you may not be qualified to be in that place, but it is something that someone has procured for you and you is so you come and partake in other words you appropriate that which christ has already made available for you so therefore there is no room for it for for um for bragging for boasting but it humbles you anytime we come with revelation and understanding to the throne of god daily that's when you die to your desires you die to your your ego you die because it's a place of humility because you know i don't even i in my own strength, I wouldn't have qualified to be here. But guess what? I'm partaking of this mercy. Now, mercy, of course, um, is the person of Christ himself. But you come there to receive because mercy is the mother, is the mother or the door that unlocks grace. Because a person that is a stranger to the mercy of God remains a stranger to the manifolds of God's grace because you receive mercy and then find grace. Mercy is to be received, lambanot, to be lambanot because remember, I want you to keep this thought in you. Lambano means to receive as merely as a self. It is self-prompted action without necessarily signifying a favorable reception now mercy is to be received to be obtained that grace is to be found are you seeing the connection there in hebrews 4 16 come to the throne of grace boldly now without fear and and, and that you may obtain receive lambano take hold of that word lambano means to lay hold of to lay hold of so you come to appropriate the mercies of God because and then you find grace so if you cannot receive mercy you cannot or find grace to help you grace is divine empowerment it empowers you grace not only saves you grace advances you grace empowers you grace Miracles manifest because of grace. We understand the functionalities of the gifts of the Spirit are connected to grace. The word, um, of course, gift is the Hebrew word, uh, is a Greek word, charismata, we can't, where we have the same word or gra grace, which is um, charis or, or charis, charis or charis charismata so gifts of grace so the healing miracles the ability to see in the supernatural um the visions the revelations that come forth all these working of miracles the the the, the, the gifts of faith all these are charismata gifts of grace so when a man deeply um, dips himself into the understanding of the grace of God. It leaves heaven with no option except to begin to demonstrate the gifts that are actually cultivated and uh, actually manifested by grace, by grace himself, which is who is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, there's many things we have touched. Let me go back to what I was saying. We come to the throne of grace to receive to Lambano. Now, there's many times you find people saying, Lord, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. It should be, Lord, I thank you for your mercy. 
in the New Testament believer doesn't pray like an Old Testament believer because there's been a shift. We are praying from the throne. We are not coming to the throne. We are praying from the throne of God. We are praying from the place of victory. And therefore, as we come to that place, and that's why I said that if the image of our Father is distorted, if the image of God, your image of God is distorted, therefore, the meditation of your heart, if the meditation of your heart is distorted the image you hold of god is also distorted therefore the words of your mouth the content that comes out of your mouth is a mere projection of what is in the heart because jesus says out of the abundance of your heart the mouth speaks and that's why it is imperative for Christians for us to give ourselves to the word of God, the meditation of the word of God. Because in giving our adequate attention to the word of God, we are reprogramming ourselves. We are deprogramming and reprogramming and programming our lives. There has to be a deprogramming, an intentional deprogramming. Because ever since we came into this world, Satan has always been on an assignment to program us the wrong way. To, he has been programming you when you grew up, the, the things you hear, the, the, you have been wrongly programmed. Take for instance, here in Britain, when oh, our kids, when they do something bad, oh, silly, oh, silly you, oh, silly me. You know, they, there is no understanding of the, 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 the impact of words, oh, silly me, oh, poor me, oh, poor thing. Um, you hear and then you keep speaking of yourself, poor thing. And you don't realize that in the realm of the spirit, words are taken literally and they are not actually taken for a joke. That's why one of the characteristics of God, God is not a joker. God doesn't joke because he understands the consequences of words or the implication of words. That's why part of his character, you will never see not. anywhere that Jesus joked, that God joked. Why? Because he understands words. Um, are very imp impactful. You find a proverb actually, um, is it proverb 26? There's a proverb that says, like a madman shooting firebrands, is he who deceives his neighbor and then and then says that I was um I, I was only I was only joking. <laughs> so you can see what mm. God is telling you, like a madman shooting firebrands, is he who deceives his neighbor. And then afterwards, he says, I was only, I was only joking. So you can see that God is trying to tell you that actually even some of the jokes that people make about you were literally meant. For Proverbs 26, 18, them, they say, ah, you, you know, you're this answer. What have you said? No, I was only joking. God says, like a madman shooting firebrands. Now I want you to come and, and, and pay attention to what God is saying, like a madman shooting firebrands you imagine a madman somebody who's lost it he's holding a firebrand and an arrow of fire and it shoots direct to you and then when it misses you remember number one he's mad a mad person is not in his right senses so god likens a joker to somebody who's out of his senses and he's holding a firebrand or a gun. And back then, they used to use firebrands. Imagine if it was in our times, this scripture would be saying, like a madman holding a machine gun shoots you 
and then he misses you and say, <laughs> I was only joking. In other words, his mind is out of his senses. Even what he's doing, he doesn't realize he's hurting you. And for him, he calls it a joke. Now, how many times have we come up mean in a mean manner and said stuff or words to somebody in a joking manner, but you literally actually try, they are trying to tell you that's what they want to say to you, but it's in a sarcastic, joking manner. But that's not the point I wanted to make out of this. The point was, God does not joke. And he shows you his position in the Bible about joking. He says, as a madman, casts firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man that deceives his neighbor. And later he says, hey, I was only joking. I didn't mean what I was saying. In other words, when you follow scripture close enough, you will discover that God is trying to tell you even the supposedly jokes that people were saying actually were meaning them because that's the abundance of the heart and the mouth is projecting that which the heart has already actually incubated. So giving ourselves to the word of God is giving ourselves a chance to be deprogrammed and then reprogrammed in accordance to the word of God. That's why Paul tells us to make a conscious choice and decision in Romans 12. And it says, brothers, verse 1, I urge you by the masses of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Uh, which is your reasonable act of worship. And by the way, I love that verse whenever I read it from the Message Bible. And I'm not going to bore you, but I'm going to read it uh, for you from the Message Bible, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it's interesting when you look at it from the Message Bible, and this is what it says. It says, now, doing this, mm -hmm, I'm looking for my Message Bible here, if you don't mind, I found it. It goes, so here's what I want you to do. A message Bible, it says like this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday life. So when the Bible says present your body as a living sacrifice, it's saying God helping you take your everyday life. To present your body as a living sacrifice is to take your everyday life your ordinary life. What I'm reading is in the Bible, by the way, you can follow in your own. Take your everyday, your ordinary life, which is your sleeping life, your eating life, your going to work life, and walking around life. In case you love walking a dog, you are included. You're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into, into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Rec readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well from the maturity in you. That is verse 1 and 2. Now you can see that we are called to a high standard of supernatural expression and living in the scripture, but we are invited into that space so that we come into conformity 
into to, to, to sonship, which is spiritual maturity, which is the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we may be able to manifest and to manifest the realities, the supernatural realities of Christ Jesus because we are his body here on earth. We have the extension of his hand here on earth. Now we cannot fully express him when, our, when we refuse to come to a place of conformity or embrace these scriptures which were given for our conformity. Peter tells us that the word of God was given to us not for just our obviously this is me paraphrasing wasn't given to us for our quotation the bible wasn't given to us for our successful quotation the bible was given to us for our transformation peter shows us that that we may partake of the divine nature scripture was given to us for us to partake to participate in the divine nature we are here to demonstrate god not just to learn about him and talk about him to demonstrate him and that's why when jesus sends out the apostles it says you will receive the power on the holy spirit and you will be be is a demonstration be not do be you are to be a christian is a being not a doing we are a being so to express so the power even of the gospel is in our demonstration but not just in our just doing us being being christ-like Anyway, coming back to this scripture, let the words of my mouth, Psalms 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you. Can I submit to us that the, heart, the word heart in the Bible denotes conduct, character, attitude, and behavior. Whenever the Bible refers to the word heart, which is, you may say, or oh, it's talking about pneuma, it's talking about the pneuma or my spirit, human spirit. Is talking about the conduct and character, your attitude, because we can tell the state of your spirit or the attitudes of your, we can tell your attitudes, the attitude of your spirit by the actions that manifest from your body. Because now here, the word heart in the scripture denotes attitude, conduct, character, and behavior. And many times you find a Christian say, don't, you know, don't judge me because you don't know what is in my heart. And I'm saying, I don't need to rip you open to know what's in your heart because your conduct and character and behavior is a reflection of what is already in your heart and your attitudes. So show me your conduct, character and behavior. And I tell you your belief because belief is the basis for conduct, character and behavior. You can tell what a Christian be believes by reason of their conduct, character, and behavior. So if you believe the wrong way, you're going to behave the wrong way. If you keep believing the wrong things, even you will pray the wrong things. So therefore, forgiving ourselves to the adequate studying of the word of God, the knowledge, this knowledge of God, and presenting ourselves in such an atmosphere and as environment as this to pray and to hear from various men and women of God uh, positioned for us, that's how we increase. But we must be intentional. You don't come to this altar and say, oh, hey, we will go again, you know. And you don't get on there and you just turn on your phone and then run off and do other things. You give adequate attention because, you know, 
This is where success comes from because we know that the Bible has said that let this word of the Lord not depart from your mouth. It should not depart from your mouth. Meditate upon it day and night. Hagar. I spoke about the three dimensions that, um, although I didn't speak about the others, the dimensions in meditation because initially the first thing is, you know, to, from, to of this first stage of meditation is now for you to give yourself to the word of God. Uh, let this book of the law not depart from your mouth. You study it, and as, as you're reading the word, you are pondering. That's the first thing you're reading and examining the word. Why is this word talking to me? Where it, does he want me to adjust? So in that process, as you're examining the word, this is now prayer. It is prayer, meditation or prayer. Because remember, the meditation of my heart the words of my mouth so as the word as i look into the word it begins to adjust and wash me as the bible tells us in ephesians chapter ephesians uh, chapter 5 from verse 26 you know there um, it says um, when it talks about uh, 26 25 says husbands love your wives as jesus loved the church and then and he gave himself for her and then and um, he sanctifies her by the washing you know by the washing by the water of the word so jesus washes his bride by the washing by the water of the word so as we come to the word of god we allow the word to wash our spirit man energize reinvigorate reconfigure our spirit man and then sensitize our spirit man to the agendas of heaven concerning our lives and our art and our generation and then in that regard we are stimulated we are actually activated to be able to perceive and understand the direction of the things of god in and from that place when we open up our mouth fellowship is rich because the words of your mouth are the meditations of your heart and that's prayer you tell me any one person that can start to say father i honor you because the word honor is gonna come that's the meditation of your heart and now the mouth is speaking you know or but other than there are some people that may copy it because i had pastor guma say lord i honor you so you of course it's okay you can start from there all of us started by copying prayer i remember uh, because the best way to pray is to associate yourself with people that pray and you start but you know you start by learning hearing people praying and i ask myself why has she or he prayed like that why is he saying like that that thing why is he talking like that i would always have the i always have this curiosity because i love to increase in knowledge and i'll go back and study why is he oh when i'm reading so that man woman of god was praying the word this is what it is written so they were not just saying things oh okay so how does it apply to me then why did they use it in prayer that way i am increasing and i'm increasing as a student of, of prayer now um um coming back to us here the word of the let this meditation of the word be in your mouth and the meditation takes on a, a second stage of course uh, of that word the hebrew word haga h-a-g-a-h -H. um it takes on another now you begin to there's what we call we've spoken about mumbling or um or like growling or moaning where you this word that you have spoken 
quietly the second stage of meditation then you begin to talk to yourself you talk in scripture nobody hears you but you're mumbling and uh, 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 you know uh, i i am a child of god now this one now you are beginning to use your meditation this book of the law should not depart from your mouth you are using it to combat the negative evil thoughts that the enemy is sending to your mind because you know in as much as we are born again the body isn't born again your soul is not born again the soul is the place of intellect so that's why constantly the whole body must be submitted to the uh, to come to the throne of grace as paul tells us come and, and and present your bodies as living sacrifice we must bring it to the altar on a daily basis because your mind ain't born again the soul is not the spirit is instantly born again that's why this the body must be disciplined and the constant the body must be disciplined the mind must be subjected on a daily basis to the word of god to the washing of the word and how do you do that negative thoughts will come in and certain um you know distractions of this life will come in to come to threaten you but you begin to declare nah now you're mumbling the second stage of meditation that which you filled in your heart the word out of your reach deposit and reservoir of the word that you have already deposited in your heart now you start your meditation is continuing mumbling i refuse i'm not i'm not i'm not an image an, an image of failure i refuse in the name of jesus christ certain you're a liar that's not what the bible says i am a royal diadem i'm a royal priesthood i am a certain i'm not just the light of my family i am the light not of the neighborhood i am beyond being the light of my village i am the light not of uganda i am the light of the world jesus said i am the light of the world certain in case you forgot i am seated in heavenly places mm although my tussles touch the ground my feet although my tussles touch the ground me moses i'm sitting in heavenly places above you all principalities powers and rulers of darkness you are under my feet that's why Hallelujah. that's why i come up with this meditation and say hmm, the devil you're asking me how you pass and i say i'm blessed and the devil is stressed because satan is stressed because of me that's my mindset that's the Christ mindset. Why? If greater is he that is in me, then I am the devil's trouble. The devil is not my trouble. I am the trouble of the devil. The moment I step my foot out of bed in the morning and my eyes open, ping, the devil says, whole trouble is awake. That's the kind of mindset I hold. Because, and that mindset is the mindset of the word. That word is Christ in me. The word of God is God's mindset in the life of a believer. That's what shapes my world. So when I get to talk, I'm not talking about fables and myths, mythologies. I am real. We are in this space with God. And we are discussing matters pertaining his project earth by the way i am his representative so when the representative was backed up with the security of angels and the armies upon armies that have never that don't know defeat have never lost no battle and uh, then i wake up and open my eyes as one of the the i'm not just moses i am a principality in christ who is the head because if christ is the head of all principalities who are principalities principality 
authorities are those with apostolic governance and we are built as born again Christians upon the prophetic and the apostolic as a church. We are built upon that foundation. You see, a principality is a governor. So God has called us ambassadors. So therefore, when I wake up, Satan is in trouble. Be, stop giving credit to, to the devil that he doesn't deserve. And you wake up and say, guess what? Satan, run. Your trouble is awake. Every demon in my territory, the principality in Christ is here. That's when there are some people that used to be offended because I pray and say, Father God, I thank you because I have more power than anybody else in this world. And they say, who do you think he is? Amen. Yes, because I have more power than anyone else in the world. Why? Because greater is he. That's on the inside of me. And that's when I tell children of God, there is nothing as like a small man of God, small woman of God, weak man of God, and a, and a, and a strong man of God. The difference is in exercising. All of us have the same muscles. There is no big man of God. Small man of God. All of us have the same body muscles. The difference between Schwarzenegger and the, the, the Mr. World, Mr. What? World, uh, what do you call this? Big people. Mr. World, there's big men who can pull a car, is that they have developed and given adequate attention to building capacity, building their muscles. But when you go to count, they all have the same bodily muscle, 700. Is it 670? Or if you, you, you guys know better. But guess what? But a man who, is, who carries a car and I who can only carry a pot, we have the same muscles. The difference is in exercise. The difference is that in concentration, because whatever you give your concentration is what magnifies. If you're going to give the devil your concentration, the devil will magnify. Circumstances will magnify. If you, whatever you, you ignore diminishes, what are you ignoring? What are you giving your concentration? And that's very important. Now, coming back to this, that there is nothing like a small man of God, a small woman of God. Why? Every Christian carries the same Christ. The same Christ who died and rose again sits on the inside of you. That's why greater is he that is in me than all witches and wizards and warlocks. Warlocks and wizards and witches are not my problem. Generational powers, what kind of generational power cannot honor Christ in me? What kind of uh, demon cannot bear uh, respect the great I am that sits on the inside of me. This thing has gone to another level. He's not only, it's a mystery demons cannot fathom. He is in me, he, yet he fills the heavens and the earth. He's beneath me, he's above me, he's below me, he's behind me, everywhere I'm surrounded. He's in me, I am in him. Yet he is in me, yet I'm in him. Yet at the same time, he's around me, before me, ahead of me, above me. It's a mystery, demons cannot. This is something we will even come to grips with. And when we enter into heaven that day, and he will reveal the entirety of this thing. But this thing is bigger than ourselves. We are struggling to understand this thing. So when the meditation of the heart is right, my friend... <laughs> You release, you release, you release missiles in the realm of the spirit. Even when you start to pray, this is when we get to that place. As a Queen Mary, 
Queen Mary um, of England in the 18th century was afraid of a certain revivalist who was here, John Knox. The woman is quoted saying, the Queen of England is quoted saying, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than the canons of France. I'm afraid of the prayers of John Knox more than the of France. If it was in present time, I fear John oh, Knox good. more than the missiles of France. A queen was afraid. You go study who John Knox was. This man, he could call snow to cut short summer when because people are, stri are stripping and showing their nakedness. He called... And any person in the parliament who would go in the British, go and study who John Knox was. Any politician who murdered him was busy, he would go in the closet and say, if they don't repent, I am cutting them off. You see, the apostolic is not for, uh, for <laughs> we are not called into apostolic for being apologetic. Children of God, we play games, we see these politicians left, right, and center doing things because the church has not understood positioning. That's why, you, if we understand, say, you say, I approach you. God says in Jeremiah, if you look, read it in the Amplified, Jeremiah 1.10, he says, Behold, I have given you an oversight. I give you an oversight over the nations. And the kingdoms, kingdoms are political governments. Nations are ethnos, groups, different ethnicities. When the Bible talks about kingdoms, it's talking about political influence. But guess what? Look how many of our men of God have reduced themselves. Instead of them, the ones they give the oversight over political systems and the kingdoms, they are the ones at the masses, living at the masses of those they were intended to guide and actually those who are intend, supposed to seek counsel from them. It is the, the other way around. It is the other way around. The men we were sent to disciple, we have compromised with them. And instead of telling them the truth, and that's why I remember in 2015, it was the month of May. It was Friday 10 30 a.m. I was in the living room praying and I had an encounter with the Lord Jesus and he clearly told me this Moses I will hold you accountable for every exposure that I give to you and tell my children I'll hold them accountable for every exposure that I give to them I said Lord what do you mean he said your academic qualification, tell them your academic qualification. I hold you accountable how you have used that academic qualification to advance my kingdom. I hold you accountable how you used your job and finances and money to, um, to do it. that financial exposure I've given to you. I hold you accountable how you used it to advance my kingdom. You see, you fly, that's exposure. You sit in a matatu in a, in a taxi with a person, that's exposure. You don't realize, is that person born again? You have had an exposure. There are people who are meant to be saved by you on a flight, but you shut your mouth. There are people in your workplace that, that was supposed to be saved through your behavior to look at you and then you live in such a way that they begin to ask you, how 
come you never go to get annoyed? That's when you tell them, because I am a born-again Christian. What does that mean? Every single opportunity the apostles had, they used it to preach Jesus. But most of us, we think we went there to get the pound. We are not intentional. We go to places of work. You are an ambassador. You are a representative of a kingdom. Anyway, there's been so much said in here, but um, coming back to... Um, um, coming back to the same, the third level of that meditation. Now, I was saying that when thoughts, the second level, let me finish on that, then I'll finalize with the other. That second level, you are, you are now, you are dealing, you are actually nullifying through this kind of level. Even your neighbor may not hear you. Even this is a kind of meditation you do in your office. Hmm. You're a liar. It comes to your mind, but undertone, you're growling and moaning in the... Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> the lines are falling for me in pleasant places. I already have a godly <laughs> heritage. You're a liar. <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ, I've risen above you already. You're under my feet. You're a joker. You're a liar. Go find someone else. Not me. Not today. You know, Jesus began to speak back to them. Now, the third one is now, because of course, you know, in this one, as you're pondering, there is this one, this one, actually the one, the second, when you realize that the, the pressure and the, the, the war is intensifying, you need to find a place where you can go and express yourself and you speak out because remember the word hugger also means to utter to speak out not only to groan or growl or mourn there is also speaking out so when we come into this environment that has been set by these wonderful people of god we are given the opportunity to express to allow your spirit man expression now you are speaking the meditations of your heart that's prayer you say i i declare the lord is my shepherd i will not lack i have everything that i need pertaining life in the name of jesus i am although covid is going on around the world i am in this world but not of this world as a system that is greater than this system i don't care how many variants are coming i my life is hidden together with christ in god my family is hidden together with the christ in god if you can get through god and get through christ then you can get to me so you you are given this opportunity to declare even if you look at because we don't look with the natural eyes. You declare those children that are on drugs, your children or anybody in your family that is gone wayward. You begin to declare, I see you coming back. By the power of the word of God, I order your footsteps back into the house of God. I stand as a heaven's legislator here on earth. And I arise to decree and declare that you will not have peace until you come into the presence of God. I stand here as a heaven's legislator. And and law enforcement agent of God here on earth, I hereby speak to the winds. I assign you storms of God's love to beat you back into the presence. I assign storms. Let the heavens hear. Let it be recorded in the heavens. I release storms of love to beat this child back into the presence of God. 
and you will find no peace and satisfaction outside of his presence. Remember, the best place to be and to pray them is in the presence of God because that's where there is fullness of joy, meaning of life, and fulfillment of purpose. So I, now, you are praying according to Hosea. Somebody said, how can you say I release the storms of God's love? The storms of God's love, the storms of God's grace beat Jonah, prophet Jonah, back on track and he will fulfill destiny so you start and then of course the meditation the pondering a bit of it you ponder you keep this as your you ponder on it you growl sometimes you matter people don't understand some of some of them may see you laughing you are talking to yourself speaking unto yourself in hymns speaking unto yourself with the spiritual songs do you know what a spiritual song in ephesians is that a spiritual song could be mm, somebody sees you as a, 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 melodies aha uh, melodies from your heart a spiritual song we all know in that mob mod you are singing nande prosi kayadaba that's what John says in 1 John 1, 3. but our fellowship is with the Father, the Son, in the Holy Ghost, of course. And then, then you know, and, and other times, you know, and then making melodies in your heart, because by reason of what you have read, you say, hmm, mm, <laughs> have you gotten to a place in prayer where you, you don't have the words, but it's just, oh, in that place, melodies from the heart, and not because you don't have time for the devil. But when your meditation is weak, I mean, your prayer becomes nuisance noise. Because you begin to speak things that are outside of God, outside, you are presenting an image that even baffles angels, the image of God that you're presenting to them in the name of prayer. Even angels baffle. Hmm? God, what did I do to you? Hmm? Uh, hmm? What did I do to you? It seems like you don't like women. Hmm? You love men more than... <laughs> Even angels buff where you get in these things. Anyway, I hope you have been blessed. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon, and I know you've been blessed. For more information about Shiloh Tabernacle and other sermons, please visit our website www.shiloh.org.uk. And don't forget to follow us on all our social media platforms. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Shiloh LDN. Once again, that's at Shiloh LDN. You've been listening to Shiloh Tabernacle London, changing lives, building dreams. Until next time, God bless.